Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Hey, 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 diddly ho, everybody. This is Wade Grinegar, Archery Country Podcast. We welcome you back as we're in the Rogers studio. I am uh, sitting directly across from Keith. I say Peleon, but it's... Uh, Paul John. Paul John. But that's uh, that's how I'm known around here. And we uh, we're super excited about this podcast. We appreciate everybody listening to uh, our previous podcast, and we have a huge huge lineup coming up for you. And this is one that's going to fit perfect, like a good pair of camel breeches. It's the time <laughs> of year that we need. So uh, we're going to steal a slogan from field to fork. We're going to talk about meat preparation, wild game preparation. Uh, we're going to get into some recipes. We're going to dabble a little bit with a. Uh, a culinary chef, and that's the the intro. A lot of people know Keith from the 3D world and the hunting world, and of course he's an outstanding bow technician here at the pro shop. But there's a story behind the young man. Uh, he, he grew up, you know, kind of cooking, and, and we know the story, but a lot of people don't. So if you could elaborate a little bit that. You're a culinary chef. You had an opportunity in many, many states to work at restaurants and that. And then what a lot of people don't know is you were a chef for hospitality, on a couple of the biggest racing platforms in the world. Yep. So uh, give us a little insight, like when you get what you got started and what you've been doing. Sure. Yep. Uh, yeah. So growing up, um, you know, grew up hunting, of course. Um, so I've been in that world forever. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I started uh, working for uh, my aunt had a restaurant, so I worked for her a little bit and then kind of got a taste of that and figured it's something I could roll with and uh, went to culinary school. Um, moved around the country for a little while and. Um, you know, worked at some hotels, casinos, conference resorts. And um, then, oh, I don't know how many years into it, we ended up, I uh, got an opportunity to work with uh, some of the IndyCar people um, with Marlboro Team Penske. They did a racing school back then. And that's how I got started. They, they stayed at the hotel we used to work at and kind of got to know each other. And, um, you know, out of the blue one day, I get a call, hey, you want to come race? And I said, sure. So, 15 years go by and I've been doing uh, hospitality for IndyCar and, you know, um, the league, the teams, you know, certain years led me to certain people, but we've been, uh, we've been doing it for a while. And so when we say hospitality, how many, what are we talking as far as meals is how many people? Sure. Yeah. So like working for a team, um, you know, you've got 60 to 80 guys, depending on the team you're on, you know, when I'm with Penske, it's, you know, 80, 85 guys on the team. And then we've got, uh, you know, upwards of two, two to 300 can be in the hospitality on a, any given day. Um, you know, back when I was with IndyCar doing the league, you know, we do eight, 900 people a day on race day. My goodness. And, and it's not, <clears throat> excuse me, we're not talking potato chips and hot dogs. We're, this <laughs> is gourmet food. Are, right. are you setting what they're eating or do they get to order? Yep. Yep. So I, I write all the menus ahead of time, um, place food orders, have, uh, deliveries brought to the track, you know, from some of the big food purveyors that any restaurants would use. Um, and then there is, you know, there are special requests that we do take care of, but for the most part, we're trying to, trying to do everything in bulk and try and have a plan. And otherwise it gets, gets deep pretty quick. So some of the bigger names, and, and I'm not gonna lie, I don't have a clue who we're talking about. But let's sure. say, is there were they fussy? Like, did they have to have so many carbs and protein? And I mean, I, they're athletes. Obviously, sure, they yeah. don't they don't weigh a whole lot because of racing. But like, what what did they eat? What did they want? Yeah, so a typical meal for you know the drivers, so to say, uh, so to speak, um, you know, would be a, a starch, 
and, uh, and most of the time chicken and pasta or chicken and rice is, is the main staples. Um, and it's a lot of it's timing and a lot of it's, you know, a lot of it has to do with sodium intake and that too. Um, just cause they're in the car in the heat all day, you know, so you kind of have to manage that. And, uh, some guys over the years have been a little more needy than others, but yeah, we're not going to mention anybody because <laughs> <laughs> so, they're all good guys. And it's not, uh, so not only is it a timing thing, like you're saying, but you, you got to make it taste good. Right. Yep. And then you also have to know like what you're doing. So they get exactly what they need. Yeah. Yeah. When you have, you know, 600 meals going out in a day or, you know, and then you, you have to make sure you have, you know, these guys lined up for their meal times, you know, as they're getting in and out of the cars, you have to, you have to stage it. Well, there's, there's a little bit there. Stressful. Yeah. What's not as stressful is when we harvest animals <clears throat> in our world. Um, I think, I think, and I think where we're going to go with this podcast is everybody, not everybody, a vast majority of the outdoor world, they taught by their papa or whoever on how to gut a deer, mm -hmm. or maybe they go on YouTube and they watch it, but we're going to dive in so much more than, yes, you may know how to do it, but are you, are you doing it the right way? And <clears throat> one, one word that I hate to hear because we've all experienced is the word gamey, mm -hmm. gamey meat, you know, right. uh, West river animals versus East river, yada, yada, yada. Um, you're going to give us a little help on that. Like there's some preparation key points that you can really do to take care of that. Um, certain issues as far as gamey. Sure. Yep. But, uh, and, and like we said in, in the intro, it's the perfect time because we're getting, a lot of guys that are coming in showing us their trophies in mm -hmm. the back. Uh, we're getting a lot of FaceTime calls, you know, when they find their animals, so on and so forth. But let's say, and it doesn't even have to be a trophy animal. I, I shoot does every day of the week yeah, if they, I could, you know. They I all love, have I meat love. on the bones. <laughs> they're, they're phenomenal. Um, <clears throat> antelope, muleys, elk is a, you know, we're getting kind of on the tail end of the big elk hunts. And we're going we're gonna to collaborate all that together as a general. But let's say I harvest a doe tomorrow night. I go out and then I sit and successfully harvest her and I find her. Okay, it's probably mm -hmm. going to be an evening hunt and we are dealing with some cooler temperatures. Cold fronts have come through in that, <clears throat> but it's not below freezing. Right. Give us your first, second, third step from after the pictures are taken, celebrations done. What do we do first? Sure. Yep. Um, so for me, decide where you want to gut it. You know, some guys get hung up on, do I get it where it lays? Do I, do I blow my area out? Does it make a difference? You know, um, and I don't know if there's a right answer there. I think, uh, I think everybody's got a theory on it, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, first thing foremost is, you know, get it gutted as soon as you can. Um, and then depending on the shot, you may want to, that may dictate how you gut it. You know, you may, if, if you hit her back or, you know, then you're going to be a little more careful, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, the biggest difference I see in, in how people gut their deer is split the pelvic bone, don't split the pelvic bone. And we, growing up, I always have, and it just makes life easy. If you can do it without busting stuff up, that's, mm -hmm. you know, it, everything comes out nice and clean. And, uh, you know, get it gutted. And, and like you said, the temperatures are pretty nice right now. Um, they're getting cool enough where you can hang one and, yeah. or, and you don't have to panic, you know. Right. Um, that being said, I like, I prefer 
once I get them gutted, if I can rinse them out and I, this is again, growing up, this is how we did it. And it always worked. Um, you know, get, we'll rinse the insides out if we can, like if you're by a Creek or something, mm-hmm. we'll drag it to the Creek and we'll, we'll flood, let the water run through it. You know, um, if not, when we get to get back to the house, we'll run the hose if we, you know, yeah. if there's anything, yeah. um, and get it hung. Um, now me personally, a lot of times right now I'll be, I'll get it done that night if I can. Right. I'll, I'll hang it, skin it and go to work. And then my wife will, wife will hear me crawl into bed around, you know, midnight or 1am. Right. Right. <laughs> but it'll all be done and in the freezer. And I, I've found for me that there, there hasn't been a lot of variance in, in how it ends up coming out of the package. You know what right. I mean? It ends up, everything is always good that way. So, and, and when we are talking about venison, um, <clears throat> more or less talking about venison, you know, of course, when we get into beef, there's a whole different, we talk about dry age and sure. Yep. There's some guys that, uh, especially around gun season, you know, it's a big thing to have a hanging pole. Mm-hmm. And I understand that cause they're going to do it all at one time. Do you agree with letting them hang or do you, would you prefer just boom done? So, yeah, if, if I can get it done right away, I like to, um, I think it, uh, you're going to have, I'd say a majority of the guys out there probably are on the hang them. <clears throat> guys like to let them hang for a few days. And even my dad still, he'll, he'll like to hang them at least overnight and just let them, you know, let them bleed out as it were. Right. Um, but uh, if I can get them, <clears throat> excuse me, if I can get them done, I'll get them done. Yeah. Um, letting them hang for a day or two isn't going to hurt them. Right. I just, I feel like if you can, you know, if you can get them done fast and get them and get them packaged, it's just fresher meat, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and I agree a hundred percent with you. Um, <clears throat> I'm not a very skilled person with a knife, uh, as far as cuts and, and I'm not fast. Uh, you know, we grew up in a family that, uh, will they'll get, especially when there's a group or a party, let's say we're out West and we have four tags and we're going to fill four tags and then we take care of them all at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you're going to fire up a grinder right. and do that. There's no right or wrong answer. We're just kind of giving everybody today a little uh, insight on what can be done to help. Do you see, and where I'm going with this, do you see in in meat, the way the molecular breakdown is, if it were to hang, you know, your outside, uh, I'm talking about deer that are scun, Mm -hmm. is... Is there a tender issue? Is it? Do you see a difference between meat that's been hung for two, three days versus that an hour or two hours after it's been shot? So I don't, I don't know if it's it's really a tender, you know, being tender or not. Um, what I do see though, like if you skin it and hang it, then of course you're going to have that that bark on the outside of the meat, you know, right. on everything. Yeah. <clears throat> and for me, I like, I don't know when my when my meat comes out, I like it to look like meat meat that i bought it not, yeah. not that i bought it store but you know what mm-hmm. i mean i yeah. want it to be you know and i don't want to have to trim it before i package it um and not, absolutely nothing wrong with hanging them you know what right. i mean like i said but yeah. for me i like i like getting it as fresh as i can and uh you know and it depends on how you know this time of year too you know they're not run down they're they're eating well they're actually eating really well so i mean pretty much the meat right now, depending on where you're at, you know, they're eating a lot of acorns right now. They just started dropping, you know, so that may make a change here in a couple of weeks. It may, may taste a little bit different, but I don't think you're going to see much of a difference. Yeah. And, and of course diet mm-hmm. as you know, a deer's diet, if we're talking an antelope in sage country in Wyoming sure. versus yeah. a whitetail here in the Midwest and with uh, the mineral content and the agriculture, they're eating some different food. Yep. 
they may have a, a different taste on that, but we'll get in. Oh, absolutely. We'll get into the seasoning part, mm-hmm. one of my favorite parts here in just a little bit. As far as we talk about gutting them, cleaning mm-hmm. them out, have you ever performed the gutless method? I know that's catching on here every year. It seems to be more and more, especially guys that are out west yeah. uh, where it is legal. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to say that again, where it is legal mm-hmm. to leave a carcass or, um, you know, more a little bit more than the carcass. Uh, have you done that? I have not. You have not? Nope. I know uh, when, when we're out west and it's, like I said, it's catching on more and more. Will uh, you always in your pack have extra bags or game bags, you know, if you're going to quarter it on that? Mm-hmm. Do you think the gutless method is uh, is going to stay? Do you think that there's any harm in it or anything where it is legal? Oh, yeah. No, I don't think there's – I don't see a problem with it. And I don't think – and I think it may eliminate for a lot of guys – Oh, I don't want to say, say this gently, but a lot of guys struggle with gutting deer, you know, make a mess of it. Um, and then oh, that, no. that's going to affect your tenderloins that are inside, you know, underneath your spinal column. And I mean, so, yeah. so I think for a lot of people, it might be a really good thing. Yeah. You know, just stay and away I'm from I'm not going to lie. Uh, for example, my brother and my dad, they, uh, we have a little tradition is you don't gut your own animal. Mm-hmm. Um, just something we do, right? They can take, they can have two fingers in their knife is the only thing that's got any blood on it. Yep. But me... If I don't have shoulder gloves, <laughs> or even if I do, I look like a freaking haunted house massacre center <laughs> attraction. You know, I mean, I might, there's been some times where I can't get the blood out of the camel that I'm wearing, <laughs> stripped down to a t-shirt, you know, because like I said, I'm not very good at it. Uh, but the gutless method, and I've done it a couple times last year, and it just seems to be so much more efficient for me. And, and then I'm talking early season because I don't have the opportunity to hang them. Right, right. I'm not going to hang them in 68-degree barn, you mm-hmm. know, because it's just that's not what you do. Um, so it makes it a little faster, but I think either way, as long as you're doing it correctly. Right, yeah, and I, I maybe I'll try it this year. <clears throat> and and we definitely, definitely encourage um, utilizing every piece of venison that you can um I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that I utilize like the rib meat, you know, right. I'm not going into depth, but every cut of meat has a purpose and can be used. Mm-hmm. Um, even when we talk about some organs, right. um, I don't, I, you, I don't I do. even, but you do. <laughs> yes, I do. And you've told me some recipes off, off air that <clears throat> they're, they're kind of intriguing, you know, yep. might try them. don't know if I'll prepare them, but well, I might try them. We'll, we'll get you on them. I, <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite things is the pickled heart, um, and that's something that you know back on the farm growing up. That you know we my, my grand I remember my grandmother doing pickled beef tongue, be, pickled beef heart, you know, and uh, so we really? carry it. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and uh, my aunt now has carried on a lot of that, um, kept the recipes, and you know passed right. things down. So now we do every deer that we don't heart shoot. We you know I'll I'll do them out here for guys. And right, they're really good. That's one of my biggest problems. Is that, you know I'm usually. Right at that heart there. Well, I mean, hey. Cutting it in half. (laughs) There's not a lot left when I'm done. (laughs) Oh, I love to be cocky a little bit. (laughs) It's cool. What is your favorite cut of meat on an animal? I mean, Mm. they're all good, and now my mouth is starting to water. I know, right? Uh, Well, you know, it's terrible that, I mean, the heart, because it's only as big as your fist or, you mm -hmm. know, the deer I shoot, it's as big as my head. But... um, (laughs) 
they, uh, you know, because it's such a limited volume, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of like save the heart, save the heart, you know, but you know, just like everybody backstraps are, you mm-hmm. know, hard to beat. Um, yeah. gosh, you know, I don't do out here. Um, when I say out here, I grew up in Pennsylvania, right, you know, right. growing up with dad, I go back and gun hunt every year with my dad, yep. my brother, and now my mom. Um, and we do all that sausage. So when I'm here, I, I don't really grind much. I try and okay. like most of the stuff that I would normally grind, yep. I turn into stew meat or, you know, so I make a lot of stew and that kind of stuff, steaks and stews and roasts, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and, uh, as far as a favorite, I mean, gosh, yeah. I mean, backstrap is hard to beat, but you know, sometimes even it's going to get, you know, again, with <clears throat> stuff guys don't necessarily use neck roasts. Yeah. <clears throat> Some guys really hate them. Um, I treat them like a, uh, like pulled pork basically. Yeah. So slow cook it. And then as it comes apart, you can go through the connective tissue and get it all out of there. The stuff right. that nobody, that, that makes it weird for guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> I think it's delicious, you know, right. and it's just, a and, and then you can get, you know, 10 pounds of necro stuff off a deer. Oh and yeah. That a lot absolutely. of times, you know, goes away. So, okay. Let's take, let's take the, uh, what's, it's not, uh, a, a, I'm looking for the A word. Oh, no. No, not that way. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can spell it, but I can't say it. The anatomy of an animal. Oh, there you go. Okay, okay. okay. Um, starting from the neck down, we talked about neck roast. Of yep. course, everybody knows about back straps and tenderloins. Yep. Uh, the tenderloins are underneath. Yep. Back straps are on the back. Usually, back straps are about three times the size. Yep. We have rump, rump roast. Yep. Um, shoulders. Yep, shoulders. Where are most of your steaks coming from? Uh, the back half, okay. like round, round steaks and an eye around, like I'll separate those out and do like a lot of times, like you take the eye around or the top round and slice them across the grain and cut steaks out of them and got, and you would never know that it's not loin. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so like I said, majority of my stuff is that way. Like I'll separate muscles and stuff just, yep. just because it's, I like meat. And then what are you, if you are grinding, <clears throat> we talk about sausage, yep. um, you're not going to give us that recipe, but for those of you that have ever had any anything that Keith has brought in, it's phenomenal. And that's the uh, only recipe I can't give out. You, you so. know, I'm not going to ask you, you know to give why. It out. You I know, know why. I know. But uh, like, where? What kind of meat? Where is that coming from? When you're grinding hamburger, obviously, so, where is that meat coming yep, from? Shank, shoulder. Um, <laughs> you know, anything that's got connective tissue that you don't feel like cutting out. You know, you have to take the big pieces out. You know, because it'll just make a mess in the grinder. But yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much like anything off the legs. Um, and then if you're doing a lot of sausage like we do at home, you know, yeah. we'll take some of the, we'll cut some steaks. We'll just figure out how many steaks we want. And then we'll just, you know, obviously the loins are staying and the tenderloins and, um, you know, but then all that other stuff, anything that has connective tissue in it, we start, you know, if we're making sausage and we want to mm-hmm. make bulk, we'll use it, you know. Are you mixing it? Yep. Like a 50-50 blend or 60-40 yep. or 80-20? Yes, depending on what we're making, 30 30 70 yeah 50 50 you know right and you're mixing it with pork pork yep yeah have you ever mixed it with beef haven't haven't but the ironic thing is that sausage recipe is a beef sausage recipe from the farm that's right you know from 100 years ago so it's we just adapted it to to go with that replacing the beef with venison yep and then throwing the so then the fat comes from the pork we do um we buy whole pork butts and then cut them down so it's not just we don't like using just the trim, pork trim, because that just gets greasy and too much yep. fat. Um, so we'll take actual pork butts and, and just cube them up just and just grind them in. And 
if you're married to a woman like me, bless her heart, I've had to train her. Um, I come from a Western way of life where we grew up on beef, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We talk about marbling, okay, in a beef cow. But in the whitetail or any venison from a moose, an elk, muley, that is some of the richest, most protein-packed. It's very, very, very high quality and very healthy meat. Absolutely. Um, When you say, oh, the marbling content on a venison or a whitetail, there's not a lot. Yeah. Um, so sometimes we you know, we mix some stuff in. Mm-hmm. Like you can come to the house and we'll have we'll have spaghetti. Some people put hamburger in there. Um, you know, we'll have a venison hamburger mix. You'd never tell the difference. Right. You know, I can I can put my name on that. You you wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we because we have a ratio figured out what we like. Right. You know? Yep. But sometimes um, that marbling or the fat content adds to flavor. Right now, on your steaks, a lot of people like venison steaks. I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. How thick are you cutting them for preparation for packaging? Yeah, I so I leave them three quarters of an inch to an inch thick mm-hmm. um, because I don't like to overcook them, but I like to get some color on them, like on the grill. I'll get my i I'll get my grill hot and okay. you know get some color on them so they look like a steak and they mm-hmm. you have that flavor and you have that charring, but I don't want them gray in the middle by any means. Right. So need right. to leave enough meat on the bone as it were to to be able to have both you know so i cut them about you know three quarters to an inch thick and a lot of people let's say we go to a restaurant and they order a steak a good steakhouse right mm-hmm. <clears throat> i know we're stepping outside of the wild game but we have all of the labels that you talk about medium rare and medium and if you're <laughs> that kind of person medium well or well <laughs> if you want to chew on a tire go ahead if you want to experience and you want the flavor and the taste is what for preparation give us a little key i'm not a chef you are sure um temperature degree are you you know just searing each side and letting it cook through a lot of guys are on this smoking trend yeah yeah. not uh smoking the meat trend (laughs) (laughs) like give us a little bit of what you do and why you do it yeah so you know, I like I said, I, I like a, I like a hot grill or or pan. You know, mm-hmm. you do them in you know when it's twenty below. Sometimes I don't fire the grill or the smoker up. Um, high heat, few minutes aside, and you're let them rest, and you're going to be good. Okay. Um, you know, now if you're if you're using your pellet smoker and you have, say, you're doing a roast, you know, you're smoking a roast or something on the, you know, then, you know. So I, I, maybe I'll cheat and use the probe, um, and, and, you know, get them to 120, 130 if you're, you know, but I'll like, for me, I'm going to, I'm going to pull bigger chunks of meat at like 115, 120, and that's going to be medium rareish. Okay. Um, and let them rest like anything big, let it rest. Um, what do you mean when you say you let it rest? <clears throat> so like if you do a whole loin, yep. you know, a whole backstrap or a chunk of backstrap, you yep. know, instead of cutting steaks get your color get it cooked to where you're probably if you like it medium yeah get it to where it's medium rare okay and then let it set for 15 minutes 20 minutes half hour if you can keep it in a warm spot and, and then the meat's cooking it's yeah it'll carry over a little bit and then it'll also any of the juices that like if you if you pull it out pull it off the pan and and go to just slice it right away yeah you're you're gonna see how much blood comes out on your cutting board right if you let it rest for 20 minutes half hour you'll have a quarter of the amount of juice that comes really? out of it. Yep. Cause it'll, it'll reabsorb it as it, as it carries over. It makes and, perfect sense. Yeah. 
and that's any sense. and that's any chunk of meat really mm-hmm. um heck i even do that with you know big chicken breasts you know right I do it with turkey too yeah anything anything that i'm cooking that's not just a steak i i let rest so that would be your preparation time for your sides yep Are exactly you, know, you yep. know that's i never really thought of that makes perfect sense mm-hmm. though yeah big make a big difference too um packaging mm-hmm. there's a cheap way there's a very very expensive way there's clearly nothing really in the middle right um are you just getting freezer wrap cutting it cleaning it yep. packing it taping it labeling right. it and putting it in the freezer no i i food saver it yeah the expensive I think way that's the way you say it i don't know but yeah um i do i mean once you buy the units they're and they've come way down mm-hmm. and then you buy the rolls and you know you buy the bigger rolls in bulk and make your own bags and it and it saves but what does it do for your meat quality so eliminates free well i say eliminates but very cuts down on freezer burn um okay. you know over a, lo- a short term it, it'll eliminate freezer burn yep. um and to me i think you can if you take the air out of there there's going to be less chance of variation in the meat when it comes out so if you can get that tight in, even then when you thaw it um you don't lose as much um fluid i mm-hmm. say juice but yep. flu- you know fluids out of it yeah um and uh some what some guys like to do is season them season stuff before they go in the freezer bag okay and and i've never done that but i think it i think it could work um unless you do the like the sous vide you know that a lot of guys are doing now um that's one way where you can just pull it out pull it out you know it's in the bag already it goes in the water and when it's done it's done so um there's uh oh you know there's there's variations to all of it. I know a lot of guys that just do the freezer wrap and they're, and they're fine. Um, you know, there's times where, um, if you're, if you're going to have stuff that gets dropped to the bottom of the freezer and you find it the following year, um, I think you're better off having it in the, in the, uh, in the food saver. Um, you know, for me, um, it's a lot of it is it's easier to keep track of stuff too. Cause I'll have tags hanging off the top, of everything in my shelf excuse me and uh and i can just open the freezer look in and and i don't have to dig through everything i can just grab whatever the label is off top you know that's hanging out so i like it so let's uh let's just dive right on in let's uh let's give a little flavor to everything we've harvested our animal some guys enjoy that uh the ritual of uh that night having some back straps on the grill you do what you want I'm talking now it's December, January, having some friends over or your family. We're going to, we're going to have a meal. Okay. Just take uh, open up your freezer door, take out whatever cut you want or roast. And we'll do this twice. Play a little game here. What is your favorite recipe besides the sausage? We're not going to talk about <laughs> like what, uh, <clears throat> let's start with steaks. What are you doing for preparation? What are you doing for seasoning? And then how are you cooking it? Sure. Um, so I've kind of went, yeah, I've kind of gone, I don't want to say backwards on that, but used to marinate everything when it comes to venison, you know, because you thought you had to. Um, over the years, I've realized that it's just meat. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. so treat it that way and don't, you know, like, cause here's what I see a lot too, is, you know, bacon, everybody wants to put bacon, mm-hmm. add bacon, wrap it in bacon, stuff it with bacon, <clears throat> you know, right. bake it with bacon, whatever. And 
to me, you're covering up what you did and you're, you're kind of, I don't want to say ruining it, but you're, yeah. you're, you're masking what, you know, this nice piece of meat that you spent all this time and maybe some money harvesting. Right. Um, I treat them like steaks because they're steaks and I'll season, throw stuff on the smoker, throw stuff on the grill. Um, that pellet smoker that you mentioned earlier, a lot of yep. guys are on to now. I mean, they're hard to beat. And it doesn't matter the brand, really, if it's a pellet smoker, it, it's flavor. Um, right. But I'll take steaks, thumb, season them with a multitude of things. But, again, don't kitchen sink it. Yeah. That's what we, you know, all the time. <laughs> Sometimes it's just whatever, what's in the cabinet. We're going to put a little bit of everything on it, and then you don't know what you put on it. Yeah. Um, you know, I have salt and pepper is a staple, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. been around forever for a reason then just add what you want. Like I'll, I'll do, I like, I think, you know, I like a little bit of spice in my stuff. Yeah. Um, so like as far as steaks go, I may do, you know, just like a, a, a rub that's mm-hmm. maybe got some jalapeno or something in it. Yeah. Um, but most of it's just going to be dry rubbed. Now back to your earlier comment about, you know, not having the marbling mm-hmm. there's butter's the easiest way to do it. You know? Okay. It's so like for me, when I, if I'm doing some, a steak in the house yeah. in a pan, yeah. it's going to be butter in the pan. It's not going to be oil. It's not going to be, you know, Crisco. It's not going to be, you know, right. Or it's, it's going to be right. butter because that's as close <clears throat> as you get to yeah. the natural fats. I think. Yeah. The, uh, it's funny that you bring up bacon cause that's a lot of people, you know, will take a tenderloin or, or even a backstrap cube it or slice it and then just wrap it, put a toothpick in and then grill it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, which is delicious. And like I say, you're, like you said, you're putting a bandaid on what's going on. Um, it it is delicious, but if you want bacon, have it with your eggs in the morning, you know, (laughs) in my philosophy. Yep. Yep. Me too. I haven't had the opportunity to shoot elk every year, but we've experienced some great hunts and we have had elk. I think it's one of, when it's done right, I don't know what it is about them. I don't know if it's because they're a bigger animal. I don't, I have no clue. Like I say, I'm not in the food business, mm-hmm. but it's hard, hard, hard to beat an elk steak. Right. <clears throat> I'll be the first one to tell you venison from a whitetail. Sometimes if there, there's not enough Western dressing or a one sauce in the fridge <laughs> to make it good, yeah. you know, but you can't, you, what you're saying is you can take a few extra steps maybe grandma's recipe isn't the best when it comes to cooking, you know, try some different things. Uh, I haven't gone down the smoker path yet. Uh, my brother's very, very good. Both brothers are very good at it. You're very, very good at it. I know Dan, uh, the manager here at the mm-hmm. shop, that's all he uses. Yep. A hundred percent. Um, you're saying you can add some flavor that way. Yeah, for sure. And you take anything, you know, we did uh, a buddy of mine shot a bear a couple years ago and, Season the steaks, threw them on the, you know, and everybody, you know, you hear, oh, they're, they're greasy and yeah. this and that. Threw some steaks on that pellet smoker. It, <clears throat> absolutely delicious. I mean, as good as it gets, mm-hmm. um, which was surprising to me, you know, right. that without, because all you ever see is, you know, sausage and, you know, whatever from bear. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And then like your elk. So back to that comment, I think, I think part of that is think about the grass fed beef yep. concept. Okay. And how that's such a big deal. Yep. Um, elk pretty much eat green right. all year, or as much as they yeah. can, you know what I yep. mean? And I think, it, and when you shoot them early enough in the year, 
mm-hmm. where they're still on, you know, grasses and yeah, flowers and exactly. you know what I mean? And I yep. think that has a big part to do with it. Yeah, um, very much, very much. Um, so now let's go on the opposite side of the track. Let's say you go shoot an antelope mm-hmm. that's not on alfalfa, but is on the sage coming to a water hole, eating sage, sage, sage. Mm-hmm. You're not probably going to want to put sage on that. <laughs> right. what I'm saying. I'm just kidding on that. But they that's where the rap gamey comes from. Do you have any techniques to help take care of that? Are you just seasoning it? Or are you not experiencing it in any way because of the preparation process? Yeah, I mean, you, you still can get a little bit. And sometimes, hey, you know, you might shoot, and, and even not out west, but say you shoot a doe in September and or buck, mm-hmm. and it's 60 degrees overnight, and you know you hit it back, and you have to let it lay. You're going to see a difference, and you're going to have to accommodate when you get them. I mean, there's some stuff you just can't take out of them, you know what I mean? So you're going to have to make, you know, accommodations right. when you're preparing it. <laughs> And, and for me, a lot, honestly, a lot of it is when it comes out of the freezer, like comes out of the package, yep. um, I can usually tell if it's going to be gamey or not, cause it'll smell gamier okay. if it is. Yep. Um, and then you either season different yep. or like, there's so many different things you can do like over the years now, like we'll shoot, I'll shoot a couple deer every year for the most part. And we'll, you know, one of the big things I do is stews and like chili, like I'll do a green chili, um, with venison or antelope or, you know, any, any meat, but any of that kind of stuff that you want to make sure that you're not going to have it taste gamey. Mm -hmm. That's, that's always an option, you know, you know, make a pot of chili, make a pot of stew where you're adding a bunch of stuff to it and you're not going to, you're never going to know the difference. And a, a reason that you and I have, we've tossed around this idea of doing this podcast for a while. One of the big reasons like for many years when I didn't live or didn't have the adequate space and I didn't have the people around me, you know, to help out. It's always easier to have two people when you're cutting and slicing and packing and that or family gets involved is really fun. Mm -hmm. But this year, a lot of our markets, a lot of our uh, processing places are not accepting. Right. Right. Uh, COVID issues, yada, yada, yada. So this is a great time to go online, figure some things out or come in the shop. And, you know, we're not obviously going to take a ton of time to guide you through it, but just a conversation when we're working. Oh yeah, absolutely. We can tell you, you know, and that, that it's not as hard as some people make it seem. Buy some good knives, buy some freezer wrap, or like you're saying the, that way that you're going to do it. Oh, and the freezer wrap works fine too. Yeah. Right. Yep. And you're going to feel, it's almost like the final cherry on top of the Sunday. You did all this preparation for your equipment. You planned, you spent a buttload of money on this hunt. You successfully harvested an animal. You punched your tag. If you do the work, it's more rewarding, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> I use one of the, probably one of the best processing I in my mind in the area. And I'm not going to go into that because I don't want to, bunch of business there <laughs> but i know when i bring my animal into that place when i pick it up in three weeks it's my it's animal, animal. Yeah. i know for a fact it is yeah <clears throat> sometimes not naming names but i you've been in the same oh, locker yeah. as i have yep. before and there is a pile mm-hmm. a pile especially when you talk east right you know yeah absolutely uh, here in even in minnesota there is a pile of animals sitting there 
Yep. Is your tag on your meat when you get it back? And a I li- don't know. literal pile. Right. Just mound it up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's very rewarding. Yeah. It, it can is. be. And then you know, okay, I cut these steaks here. I can use that for this. Or I use this roast for here. I got, you can kind of plan ahead as you're packaging and placing and freezing. Yep. And even after all these years, it is, it's, it's one of those, it is very gratifying. You know, when you sit down to a meal and it looks nice and it tastes good and it's, you know, and you just, you know, it feels good. I'll, I'll mess with my wife once in a while. Cause she is, she's not a hunter. Mm-hmm. She enjoys it. Yep. She enjoys the game or, you know, the, the food that comes from it. And, uh, she doesn't typically want any part of the processing, mm-hmm. which I don't blame her. She's that's fine. You know, yep. and she, and, uh, so we'll be eating dinner and we'll, you know, we'll put food on the table and I'll, We'll be eating and she'll, oh, this is good. And I'll say, and I'll look at her and say, honey, I killed that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. it, and she rolls, of course she rolls her eyes and she's <clears> like, <throat> oh yeah, okay. But And we're joking around about it, but okay, put us, put yourself in that position, especially the listeners. If you're sitting down, your family is enjoying it, just give you, I mean, I'm giving you a number. I spent 300 and some dollars on a South Dakota tag. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I spent another $200 on getting out there. I spent $200 in lodging. Okay. Let's just say I got to a thousand bucks after it's when it's in the freezer. Yep. It doesn't take a family very dang long in this day and age going to Sam's club or going to Costco or going to any meat market. Meat markets are more processing places are more expensive to spend that amount of money. Oh yeah. And you're getting half the quality, Yep. you know? Yep, absolutely. It is, uh, it's, it is definitely money, money well spent. Absolutely. And, and then you get to um, experience that. And like you say, I watched that deer come in or I had him on trail camera. Mm-hmm. I have a story with this animal. Yep. <clears throat> I harvested this animal. I cut the meat. I put the meat in the package. Yep. I know exactly what I'm eating. And it's probably, air quotes, can't see them, feel them healthier. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, think about, I mean, zero, all the stuff that you pay extra for in the store, mm-hmm. the zero antibiotics and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Water. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you, yeah, exactly. It's as good as it gets. We've, uh, we've been talking about red meat mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, you and I have some pretty good luck turkey hunting. Uh, we got some birds in the freezer. And the guys that uh, are working with us, Jack, he's shot a bunch of birds. This I had some birds, um, turkeys. You know, we talk about pheasants and everything else. If you're shooting a pheasant with a bow, you probably need to be starting to enter some tournaments because you got one thing I don't have, and that's uh, a little bit of luck. But <laughs> right. awesome turkey preparation. There's some keys on that as well. And 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 I'm not taking fall turkeys right right now. Right. You know, I got a fall turkey tag in my pocket. Uh, I just, I don't take the whole bird. I, I'm, I like the breasts and legs and that's, that's what I'm getting for meat. There's not a lot of other that you can enjoy on that. Yeah. I think that's pretty common. I don't cook it as a whole turkey. I breast them out. I package the breast. I cut them in half. So I have four pieces and then I have two legs. Legs are more or less just a Renaissance festival. Got a big turkey leg. (laughs) Yeah. They're harder than hell to cook. (laughs) But a turkey breast done right can be if not better than chicken mm-hmm. in my mind sure same thing the bird wasn't raised on feed wasn't getting its medicine in feed or water <clears throat> it's natural yep. and if you look at a turkey breast it's huge yeah oh yeah and you can the age-old classic is deep fat fryer right, right. 
that's fine. I enjoy a couple of them a year too. The uh, smoking a turkey breast, mm-hmm. grilling a turkey breast, and that's where we get into that marinade. Uh, I'm kind of with you. You've gone away from it a little bit, but it, when it comes to turkey breast, I yeah, I think it. yep, yep, you're back in there. Kind of have sure. to, yeah, uh, in my yep. mind. Or I season. Uh, we have a little Cajun, mm-hmm. Cajun fry that we do, and it it is some. I mean it, it will make you stand on the end of your tongue. But we usually have some fish, you know, some fish and some turkey and some fries, and and it, yes, it's not the healthiest in the world, but a turkey breast can oh, be very very good. healthy on the other side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, not adding all that. And their preparation, that's probably the easiest in the world. Right. <clears throat> you know, a lot of guys are just, when the, when they shoot a big tom, they take the tail fan, they take the beard, they take the hooks. And uh, all you have to do is split that breast open, take away the feathers. You're not having to feather it like yeah, a duck exactly. or pluck it, you yeah. know. And you can get right in there and get all of it. And uh, very, very, very good meat. And and when it's done right, can be phenomenal, if not better, I think. I think one of, the, one of my favorite... Uh, ways that I've seen turkey is when Ronella did that. I don't know if you remember that one meat eater podcast or uh, show where he in the field breasted one out, mm-hmm. cut basically like turkey scallopini, you know, and then pounded it out, breaded it and then did uh, like uh, turkey schnitzel right in the yeah. right in the field. You know, he had everything with him and just to <laughs> squeeze a lemon over top and you know, yep. I could just like stare at the TV and want that, you know. We have a lot of customers, bless their heart, that bring us in some samples. Going to go into the uh, field of jerky and <laughs> deer sticks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they, you you got to be careful when you're doing that. <clears throat> I think it's great when it's done right. It's hard to beat. It's great snack food. It's great in the stand food. Um, family can enjoy it as snacks as well. Mm-hmm. Very healthy. But by all means, I don't want to eat the canister of flavoring you used. Uh, do you have any tricks, any tips, any recipes on that? Uh, you know, we we just in recent years started doing sticks at home, like with dad. I, I, I didn't really talk a whole lot about that. But, yeah, every year I go back, my brother and I, um, yep. if we can, gun hunt um, up on the mountain with dad. And now, like I said, mom hunts too for the first time in, you know, 50 years that um, that they've been together close to it. And uh, – she crossbow hunts, so she's smart. She shoots them during bow season. Yeah. And so she doesn't have to come out in the cold. Right. Um, but we go back and gun hunt, and then we make sausage. We've been doing it, you know, for years. And we recently, in the last few years, started doing sticks as well. And we we have yet to take just a seasoning packet, follow directions, and do it, because it's never going to be exactly what you're looking for. Okay. Um, we... You know, we'll maybe use some of the seasoning packs that are out there just to try them, and then we make adjustments, you know. Um, best thing you can do is when you're mixing it, when you're mixing your batch, yep. take a fry pan, grab some before you stuff anything. Yep. Grab some, throw it in a fry pan, and just fry some up and taste it. And yep. if, it, is it, if it's what you want, then good. If not, make adjustments then because once it's stuffed, you're stuffed. Right. Are you using any particular casing? Can you give that away? Uh, we use natural casings. Okay. Yep. Now, for the sticks, <clears throat> we use collagen. Okay. Um, just because the smaller casings are sometimes right. de- pretty delicate. Yeah. Um, but the, but the uh, like for our regular sausage, we're using, using hog casings. Okay. Yep. So, I think, uh, I mean, we could go on and on and on and on about this because we love it. We're passionate about it. Uh, it's the, like you say, it's the end of the harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it's perfect timing because it's about time to. It is. 
start cutting some meat it here is. in the we next had couple a, weeks. <clears throat> an awesome phone call last night. Um, of course, we're very true to not exploiting other people because it was a, a very, very awesome video. They they actually FaceTimed us here at the shop on their way to recovery, and I mean it was a gym dandy. Um, but <clears throat> that was that was a question we had on an actual FaceTime. Is you know well, what would you guys do next? Oh, cool. You yeah. know, and sometimes that's a question that we overlook because like <clears throat> we do it every year, right? And God has blessed us with an opportunity to where we uh, were successful, so it's second nature. But uh, this family, they they were they were asking like legitimate, what would we do now? You know, so yeah. we kind of talked them through it. Generally, after the high fives were done, I guess you'd say through the air. But uh, it, it kind of that that was another reason that I <clears throat> wanted to get you on here is there. I think there are a lot of people that maybe don't know that you know are second guessing themselves. <clears throat> it's not hard. Yeah, you're not gonna mess anything up. Yep, and if you do. Who cares? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, if you, you know, like I know guys that, you know, been hunting for 40 years and so I'm terrible at skinning, you know, mm-hmm. or I'm ter- terrible at gutting them, you know, or whatever, yep. you know, and it's, if you get the hide off and you get the guts out, yep. then you deal with what you have left, you know, and, yep. and just don't, as long as you're not wasting meat, don't, don't right. sweat it. Right. And by all means, uh, again, <clears throat> pretty profound on this and we push it, <clears throat> follow your regulations. Make sure that you know what you can and can't do out there in the field. If you got to take the whole animal back, then um, disposal of it. Yeah. Don't don't dump it on the side of the road. Yeah, you exactly. Know, shit like that. Yeah. Just take care of it. <clears throat> but uh, Keith, surely appreciate that. We encourage everybody coming in the shop. Get some knives if you need to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't can, like you said. Don't hesitate to ask. Yeah. You know. Big thing. Uh, we didn't really talk about it, but uh, especially. I would say early season hunters, even now, uh, every hunt I go on, I have a, a cooler. Yep. Um, and I stop by the gas station and ice is cheap. Yep. And I have it in there. If I don't use it, it'll be there the next time I go hunting, you know. Yep. Or you do like I do, <clears throat> fill water jugs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So tell her, tell her, tell us about that. Yep. Uh, uh-huh. So that was actually a, a Randy Newberg, I'm throwing all kinds of names around, but mm-hmm. a Newberg deal that just was when I heard it, I'm like, well, gosh, man, why haven't I been doing that? Um, for going out West, especially, um, water jugs, tape the lid shut for, you know, pour a little bit off so they don't expand yep. too much, but yeah, tape the lid shut and, uh, freeze them. I've them in my you're, freezer. You're talking like a, just take a milk gallon, jug or a gallon, gallon water, water jug. jug. Yep. Yep. And then, uh, you know, throw it in your cooler when you head out West or when you head to the field and yep. you have a couple of them in there and they're not going to swamp the meat. Mm-hmm. If they thaw, you know, um, and they're reusable, you can wash them up and throw them back in the freezer. So they work pretty slick. <clears throat> and we're not uh, we're not big on the whole uh, ice chest or cooler sales here. I'm not going to push any names, but there are some quality. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. a styrofoam one that you have with you on a golf game with a six pack in the back. Probably leave it home. <laughs> Get something that's durable, something you can utilize. Um, <clears throat> and and just take care of your meat. Yeah, you know? and there's there's lots of good coolers out there. Absolutely. So yeah, the, I hope everybody enjoyed this. Like I say, uh, check us out. We're on all of our podcasts now, or on every platform that you can look at. Obviously, if you're listening to this one, you know where you found it. But uh, we appreciate everybody. Give us some feedback on Facebook, Instagram, 
tell us kind of what you want to hear, what you want to listen to, uh, what you liked, what you didn't like. We have a, a lot of uh, customers coming in the shop talking about it and it just puts a smile on our face. You know, this is <clears throat> in the archery world, there's no off season and uh, we're super, super busy. So taking the time and doing these, you know, we want to make sure that they're done right and customer feedback is huge. So uh, hit us up on that. On behalf of everybody at Archery Country, Keith, thank you a million. I appreciate what hey, you thanks, uh, what you gave us on that. Everybody else, uh, we'll see you down the road. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast. 